Hi, Emily. Meh. Okay. <laughs> um, That's where I'm at today. I almost like wrote out a little paragraph um, oh. so that I could pretend to start the show like some of my favorite podcasters. Oh. Um, but I also thought maybe I should discuss that with you first. Now on air, you're going to do it. Yeah, so now you're, I'm going to yeah. do it. Would you like to, I was going to be like, you know, like quick question with Soren and Dan. They always start out with like, hey, this is the Ghetto <laughs> Feeling with Taylor and Emily and we do whatever we do. Um, and but it's <laughs> We do whatever <laughs> we do. We whatever do. We do. <laughs> and like they, well, Taylor. they would describe it and we, we should describe, we should probably say it. It's been like maybe 15 episodes since we said I mean, what we do. Well, yeah, but we should also probably introduce Kat. Oh, I already spoke. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of thought I gotta like, get that in there. Tradition, <laughs> tradition. Um, oh. <laughs> that was weird. That was like good. a weird tritone. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in key. Um, but yes, this is the other feeling. We're back. It's episode, I think, one thirteen. Sure, sure. Damn. I know. I think it is because we thought last time was one thirteen, but it wasn't. Right. It was in fact one twelve. Yeah. But here we are in the real one thirteen. Uh, we're excited to be with you. We've we've created a whole, whole way of doing this that I hope works really well. We now have a hot seat mm. for the storyteller <laughs> to sit in. That's true. <laughs> Emily's there right now. Uh, for a very specific reason that I will dive into in a little bit. Hot? I'm so nervous. Am I hot? Yeah, yeah, that's why I have my sweater off. Okay. Mm, so I was thinking aesthetically. Seat. Oh, Emma's oh. always smoking. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. You got your hair down today, bitch. I love it. I We're do. matching. I was actually talking to Kat about this last night because I, like, did the whole wash routine, but I actually then left it down, which I haven't done in, like, two months. Yeah. Because depression. Yeah. Because it's effort. <laughs> depression. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it down, and then at work tomorrow, I'm also going to have it down so that I can see how many times when I jump on calls with people, they ask if I curled my hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it does look like barrel curls, like small barrel curls. Yeah, that's true. People are weird also. Yeah. yeah. I still get questions if, if this is natural. And mm, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I just curl it every single fucking day. Or I've been getting a perm. No one does that. People still do. <laughs> ah, okay, that's not true. I, I've met one person very recently, younger than us. I kind of want to get a perm now. No, please don't. You could, but it's it'd be a pain in the ass. To oh, maintain. Never and that's mind. not fun. <laughs> no, never mind, never mind, never mind. What treats do you have for Miss Emily in story and beverage format? Beverage first. I was at Target yesterday mm-hmm. living my worst life. Oh. And Target? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. I've never been into Your Target worst and had life a bad is time. Walmart. Your best life is Target. Yeah. No, because oh. I needed to practice self restraint. Oh. Oh, impulse control. So you were being a little Target gremlin. I stopped in the wine and booze aisle because I saw there was like a Jameson orange that I'd never seen before. What the fuck? Yeah. Yuck. But then I got Jameson. distracted. Um, <laughs> and there was like a young couple like flirting and like he was hanging off the cart and they were arguing. And I'm just like, you don't need to be doing this in the alcohol aisle. Clearly you weren't old enough to be here. <laughs> um, and I saw two bottles of wine mm. and I picked up both. Now it is... 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Show is. Hell yeah. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. Yeah. So we've only opened one, and this is going to be a plan to sip, not chug. Yes, because we're also supposed to be somewhere after yeah. this. We try to do our recordings where we have nothing to yep. do. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> but it did not work out that way this time. So we're going to do our best to be coherent by the yes. end. I know. So this is a Malbec. 
and it it's is called Tall, Dark, and Handsome. Ooh. Like I said, it's Ben Barnes in a cup. Yep, because we did just introduce Taylor to Shadow and Bone. Ooh. Ben Barnes is the hottest man I've ever seen, and it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Do you actually like them all back? Yeah. Holy it's very shit. dry, but it's good, right? I'm surprised. It's quite good. I did not think Kat would like this. Kat's not a big wine drinker. No. I'm too, la- I'm too lazy to get into wine. I've been converting her. Yeah. Um, That's fair, though. <laughs> just by having no other alcohol in the house. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. she's kind of just forced. So occasionally, if you want to be drunk, sometimes you have to drink things you don't like. Mm-hmm. And um, I do that all the time. Sometimes yeah. sometimes I drink the... We've the... all had Malort. Oh, yeah. We've all had Malort <laughs> for the sake of getting very drunk. Um, yeah. I've... Uh, you know that schnapps I brought over for the yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. theme? Yeah. Um, yeah, I drink that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> to punish myself for no reason <laughs> oh another day I gotta reach for the schnapps <laughs> sometimes you need to do like a little shot as a little treat for surviving yeah that's what we've started doing sure yeah. oh yeah sometimes I come home surviving. and I'm like it's a shot night yeah yeah hmm. yeah speaking of that's surviving it. oh god hold on did you just okay. fucking segue yeah you tried us? I'm trying to I love you're it you're trying but... to segue but I'm not giving up control I'm <laughs> in the hot seat the hot seat I'm is sorry. over there well, anyways <laughs> So, I'm going to start with a quote. Oh, good. We're quoting. We're quototing. This is also, you know, unlocking or re-unlocking a fear for people. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) I didn't fucking come here to have my fears unlocked. So, do you remember, Taylor, (laughs) when last time you were like i'm gonna do the opposite of my story yeah yeah, where i'm at the highest of heights and i'm gonna go to the lowest of lows right i did everest and then i did the deepest cave um in the world so i did i did two terrible but different that's kind of cool yeah it was fun what have you now done i did the thing (laughs) (laughs) i did the thing that i thought you were going to kind of try to (gasps) Ooh, ooh, okay it does involve water okay uh, so, quote, <clears throat> I realized very quickly that the end was nigh. I was on a countdown clock, and it was counting very fast. I remember it being a period of great sadness, really, of disbelief. How I could find myself in this dark, sad, horrible place, and this is where I would end my days. I thought of everyone at home and the chaos I would cause. Oh. Uh-oh. She's going into the marinara trench. no it's marinara now the deep one (laughs) you know the trench and the yeah we we get it i'm worried this has to do with a wave hello oh god thank you for joining me today Uh uh-huh okay i'm not going to tell you which of these three i'm specifically talking about okay because I want you all to experience the same anxiety hmm. that I felt when I first came across this. Is there a movie about this? There is a documentary. Uh, okay. That's worse. It is. That is worse. <laughs> <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't make it fun enough. Yeah. Oh, we really so, are getting a PowerPoint presentation. Yes. I did make a PowerPoint and I will post it with the episode. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, these are our three people that we're talking about today. We have Chris Lemons, Dave Yoasa, and Duncan Alcock. Hi, Chris and Dave and Duncan. What's and up, they are all part of a saturation diving team. Oh, they look 
very alive in this photo. So that yeah, they're <laughs> definitely breathing. Yeah. So hopefully so they stay that way. In December or in September of 2012, they were lowered 91 meters, which is about 298 feet for us Americans, in a diving bell to fix a pipe on the seabed at the Huntington Oil Field East. A Peterhead in Aberdeenshire. I Aberdeenshire. Think, mm-hmm. All of so I think God's true test of humanity's hubris is oil rigs. That shit's scary. That yep. shit's yeah. weird. It's not supposed to get that shit out of the ocean, it's, man. Yep. It's, Sharks belong in the ocean, bro. <laughs> Nothing good happens on an oil rig. That's true. I think that there's a million things that can go wrong in an oil yeah. rig. And there's also a million things that can go wrong when you deep sea dive. And so this is just a this really bad This is just two scenario. wrongs already. Yeah. <laughs> so the ship that they were attached to um, was experiencing about 35 knot winds, but it was standard weather for that time of year. And mm. these diving ships are huge and built for that. Now, I hear you asking, what is saturation diving? What is saturation Thank you. Diving? Thank you. Yeah. Diring? Diring. Uh, do you want to try that again? What that do? What that do? Good. <laughs> that do terrifying. That's what that do. Okay. So I do have my next picture is saturation diving with the diving bells. Now, hmm. saturation diving is diving for periods long enough to bring all of your tissue into equi- equilibrium with partial pressures of the inert components of breathing gases used. Okay. Basically, uh. it puts you at the depth that you are going to be at in this little bell. You get pressurized and other gases get pumped in mm-hmm. until all of your tissue is saturated with those gases. Oh. So that when you go oh. down to those depths, you don't have to do the decompression stops and compression stops on the way down. You go you through that before you even go in the water. That's cool. It's terrifying. That's what diving bells are kind of for the yep. opposite way around, too. Yep. They bring you up in yep. a slow, they bring you up way. And the, you don't have to stop for the decompression stops because, like, at this depth... I'm already up. Um, it's already terrifying. There are... <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's, like, insane. Depending on your depths, you have to then add, like, certain amount of hours. Uh, and no one can carry that much air. They'd have to do, like, 24 hours of compression stops on the way up. Oh, sure. So the diving bell is super necessary for anything yes. at a and certain Yes, and they depth. stay in it for weeks at a time. Cool thing about diving bells, there's no bottom hole mm-hmm. because it's pressurized the same as the ocean so that when they lower it down, the water isn't rushing in because it doesn't think it's like oh, open yeah. air. Oh, it's like pressure, yeah. Yeah. yeah like So they just have an open hole at the bottom nope, of the diving not. bell. So you can just see shit so through the bottom all the time? you can see shit through the bottom all the time. That's cool. There nope. have been incidents <laughs> where... Diving bells have, like, severed completely, but they were trying to get out of the bottom, but it sat on the bottom of the ocean floor. Oh. That one, however, was not a survivor story, so I can't mm-hmm. tell it. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like having that the, did only, not the only way well. out be the bottom is sort of tricky. I you... think there's, like, a door on the side okay. as well, but it's pressurized. Mm-hmm. So you can't just open it? Yeah. You That's... haven't started, and I'm terrified. Yeah, Like, sucks. this is a Good. girl that got nightmares from the Titanic. Oh, God. <laughs> Not because Good. of the boat singing, but the underwater footage in the beginning. Yeah. Like, no, this is terrible. So, <laughs> why, why bells? Because decompression sickness, a.k.a. the bends, is bad fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. It's all that gas in your body that they work so hard to put in there and that, like, when if you watch any, like, cave diving or any deep sea diving, they, walk, they talk about trimix for mm-hmm. breathing because you can't breathe just oxygen right if you take all those gases 
and you try and go up too fast, the gases come out as bubbles in, in your body, and then they kind of, like, pop in your tissue. And yeah, you get nitrogen narcosis, and it's basically being drunk underwater. <laughs> Which I mean, that sounds a little fun. It, no, <laughs> we were not no. meant to be in the ocean. <laughs> get the fuck out. We got, we go got, on a boat. We gotta you want to see there. some waves? Yeah, we gotta go down there. You know, we gotta go. We gotta. Yeah, we gotta go to the depths. We just want to. So a lot of the things that will kill divers. <laughs> Is the nitrogen narcosis yeah. because they don't? It's like helicopters. Everything around you is actively trying to kill you <laughs> at all times. Helicopters technically aren't meant to fly. Yeah, yeah helicopters want know. to be on the ground. <laughs> really and it's literally should. the pilots are really just more fighters fighting <laughs> the helicopter every second of every day to keep it in the air. Um. So. <laughs> With the nitrogen narcosis, you will experience, like, the drunkenness. You'll get really disoriented. People take their mouthpieces out oh. because they don't think they're underwater anymore. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> no. Honestly, in any scenario like this, like, disorientation is actually your worst enemy. Yep. <laughs> you just sabotage yep. your own damn self, no matter how yep. much you prepared. So, back to our brave trio here. Uh-huh. Uh, so, deep sea divers are normally away for four weeks. And they go several times a year on different contracts. Mm. To and dive. To dive. I'm sorry. To dive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and this time they were going to be replacing oil pot oil pipes at the bottom of the North Sea. So not like full, full ocean, but ocean. Sure. I love that they got to yeah. dive and adjust because yeah. their yeah. muscles are oxygen bubble gas yeah. shit. I don't fucking know. Yeah. You're close. So, yeah. <laughs> I think you're close. <laughs> so they were about 120 miles off of the coast of Aberdeen, which is northeast Scotland. Mm. So this was a three-man team, as we saw. Mm-hmm. And they were going to be in their sat chamber, saturation chamber. And they were rotating with three other teams, so they've got, like, multiple bells. Oh, sure. And You also probably just can't be down there for very long, even yeah. though you've taken all that precaution. Fair. So, and they were going to be aboard a 106-meter vessel called the Topaz as they were rotating. So, Chris, I can keep our faces on here. Chris, our man, Mm -hmm. uh, was new to this. He'd only been certified for about 18 months. Duncan was a vet. He'd been doing this for 17 years, and he was... 50 at the time of the dive in 2012 and was still going yeah fuck and had basically become chris's unofficial mentor nice because this is a very competitive industry it's a very specific skill set that is very lucrative for your saturation divers it is hazard pay and then some yeah Yeah, so they have a very specific set of skills (laughs) (laughs) yes they do also nerves of steel yeah i just uh, no How's Dave? Chris hadn't actually met Dave before, but he knew him by reputation because Dave had been also been at this for a while. Hmm. So, like, Chris was in good hands. Like, this is an experienced team. It kind of sounds like there's only, like, 12 people who do this in the whole yeah. world. So they all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. It's like cave diving, I think. Of It's like there's a very select group of people that have gone through all of the certifications. Yeah. and That's another thing that's terrifying. Yeah. It super is. Yeah. Much like cave diving, if something goes wrong, you're fucked. That's it. Um, Bye-bye. 
But with this, there's also a whole team on the ship monitoring them, also running the ship, but like mainly monitoring the people that are below the water. They have an open line of communication with them at all times. Good. Yes. And I will get into how this works. So when they go into the sat chamber, it was it's always interesting to like hear the little details because I didn't know that like one of the first things they really pump in there is helium. Hmm. And what happens when you inhale helium? You're like building a Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, guys, my name's Duncan. So yeah. the diving bell's just real funny for the yeah. first few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Like, for the first few days. Oh. <laughs> All right. So Sorry. they were like... Oh, no, hold on. Days? It seriously takes, yeah. like... So they're it just takes together. them a couple days to get acclimated to the depths. How do they poop? Absolutely not. How do because they poop? they're slowly... Absolutely not. Saturating Why? them. Emily, how do they poop? carefully (laughs) without much privacy i think a spot in there yeah and everybody just i mean the diving bell is pretty cramped it's pretty claustrophobic so you get to know people pretty well i don't know if they like poop outside the bell but like how i mean because can you leave like no (laughs) like just poop in your suit hold hold your butt over the hole (laughs) oh god so so they pump it in with helium and some other gases but Mm. like because there's helium in that mix it makes their voices sound really funny so they tend to communicate with family and friends via email Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't (laughs) think they have wi-fi in the bell that's nice well because at this point they're still on the ship Mm. they haven't been lowered in the ocean like you're definitely not gonna have cell reception at the bottom of the fucking ocean (laughs) (laughs) i think the bell itself would sort of reduce the reception but good for them yeah, so just before, like, 9 p.m. on September 18th, it was their team's turn to go down. So they got into their diving bell. Because I think part of the the saturation process is they've got, like, a whole part of the ship dedicated to it mm-hmm. so that you can, like, go poop and you're not <laughs> just, like, stuck in this bell for four weeks. Sure. Yeah, that sounds, like, literally that sounds like mental torture. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other, like, maybe but they get to paid leave really for a well. certain period of time, mm-hmm. and then you just go in the bell for a certain period of time during the day. So, they were getting lowered down about 75 meters below the topaz, and then Chris and David, or Dave, were the ones who were going to actually be going out and doing the repairs, and then Duncan mm. was going to be monitoring them. Okay. Mm. Oh, I like that it's not just three of them going nope. out willy nilly. Mm-hmm. No, and there's a reason it's always three. Smart. That usually, somebody always remains behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just before 9 p.m., they go down, and each each of them was connected to the bell. When the two went out, they were connected to the bell uh-huh. um, by basically an umbilical cord mm-hmm. that was mm. attached to their hip in their diving suits. It's a five centimeter thick cluster of tubes that has their air, their communications line, electricity for their lamps, the cameras on their helmets, and hot water to keep their suits warm. Nice. Because it's cold. Cold ocean. as fuck. The yeah. ocean is sucks and it's terrifying. And especially the <laughs> deeper you go. Yeah. I, I didn't realize those suits were so sophisticated, but yeah. they are. They cool. are. And then at the core of that umbilical cord was a steel reinforced rope. Like, okay. this is you not going to go. Yeah, yeah, you cannot, like, sever this thing. Not easily. Anyway. Sure. So okay, not each... easily anyway. <laughs> Emily? <laughs> so each diver has right. 50 meters yeah. of this lifeline. 
and it's coiled on the rack in the bell. So Duncan was in charge of like monitoring them. He's got all of the different buttons and technology inside the diving bell, and he's responsible for coiling and uncoiling this to give them the slack that they need. Okay. Yeah. He knows what's up. Tough yeah. makes sense. So above water, we were talking about how it's like real windy, but the ship is like designed for this. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. So right. there was a problem. Emily? Of course, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a problem. Well, we wouldn't now, be telling like, the story. Like, this isn't already terrifying enough. And then it went perfectly. Yeah. The end is not a thing that happens. Great. So. See you guys next Sunday. So <laughs> part of the ship is a dynamic positioning system that keeps the ship locked in place by constantly adjusting different propellers and thrusters. So they've got, like, different thrusters that all rotate based on, like, the current, the waves, mm. like, to keep the ship specifically in spot so they don't have to rely on like bell. six anchors instead right. okay. like, vamp- right. like the vipers in battlestar galactica yeah that's very cool actually yeah. Yeah. yeah so when the diving bell is down they've got the dynamic positioning system on so they don't have to worry about like leaving because the diving bell all of those tubes are connected up to yeah. the ship sure so okay. <clears throat> i hate this i f- i foresee I the badness they... coming upon us we're like yeah this is just a routine job um, Duncan had made sure to secure Chris's helmet and told him, no rush, take your time. But, like, Chris was relaxed, ready to go, Good. excited to do this. He is so, the right kind of person for this job. Yep. <laughs> Good for you, Chris. Yeah, I think it takes a really special personality. To be like, yeah, to hell do yeah. This. Let's go down there, guys. I'm just going to keep my calm about everything that's yeah. trying to actively kill me. So yeah. he went out the bottom with Dave. And he said he it was so great getting out of the stack chamber because it feels claustrophobic in mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. because like that's three men inside of there. Yeah. And he felt weightless and he could see like sediment and marine life in his helmet lamp. So he and David started working within this like structure that they were repairing and fixing the oil tubes on mm-hmm. pipes, pipes, not tubes. <laughs> Uh, the internet uh, is a series of tubes. <laughs> I'm not sure about oil rigs. You're right. <laughs> Hello, 2006. <laughs> You're welcome. I think it was earlier than that. <laughs> they were working on a structure that was nine meters high and 20 meters long with pipes and valves that managed the oil flowing from the wells to the platforms. So they had some wrenches and some other tools and had planned to be underwater for six hours. Oof. God, no. Long work. No. Long day of work. Hard work. work. Hard no. So their dive supervisor, Craig. Hi, Craig. (laughs) Is the one monitoring up at the ship. He's got the cameras from their helmets. He's seeing their saturation levels. He's seeing everything. Mm -hmm. And was giving them instructions as he followed their progress on the job. Because he he knows what they're supposed to be doing. He can guide them to things. Good. Um, This sounds... Well planned. Yeah. And Duncan's got all his gauges and he's monitoring their oxygen levels and their carbon dioxide levels. But he can't communicate directly with the divers. He can only communicate with Craig. Mm. So then Craig can communicate with the divers. I hate, I hate this. I'm going to be saying that a lot, this story. <laughs> I can <So>. tell. <laughs> but I also get it. It is um, the doom. I can feel the doom. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm not so a big fan. They'd been at this for about an hour. Oh, God. When all of a sudden, through their helmets, they could hear an alarm. Mm. Topaz was having a bit of an issue. Mm. 
the that dynamic positioning system, that very important dynamic positioning system mm-hmm. that kept them steady, steady and make sure that lines were straight and air was flowing and they weren't going to snap. Uh, the system <laughs> failed. No, no, so no. So the boat okay. started drifting. Oh, God. No. Was there any inclement weather or it just... It, it was just, just windy. Regular... It was just rough seas. Okay. It was a standard thing for that time of year. Nothing crazy. Okay. So Craig heard the alarm as well. They heard it like from Craig's office because that's the open line of communication. And Craig told them to drop their tools and get the fuck back in the bell. Yep. Oh, my, Absolutely. yeah. Good call, though, honestly. Yeah. And it was an unusual request, but Chris and David were like, yeah, no, I'm not going to question You know that. what? <laughs> Why would you ever question any? I'm like, going. Just, we got to go. <laughs> yeah. So they started climbing up their umbilicals. Do they really call it that? Yep. That's, That's awesome. very funny, actually. That's awesome. It actually looks like an umbilical cord. Like no, the diving really bell cool. is your mommy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you need to go back up into the canal. The birth is done. Yeah. Go back We're inside. Finished. We're reverse birthing yep. you. <laughs> so they were climbing up. Duncan couldn't see what their camera helmets were relaying, but uh, he heard the call from Craig. So he's like, okay, we're going to start <laughs> reeling yeah. in the cords. Like, come go. on, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chris had expected to see the dive bell's lights, but there was just blackness. Mm. And when he got to the top of the structure called the manifold, he could feel his umbilical cord tugging. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he had seen that it got looped around a metal outcrop. He was trying to unhitch it, but because the dive boat was no longer locked in position, it was also dragging them and the bell along in the I, current. I, I oh, shit. I hate this. I hate so it's just moving around in the sand yeah. below. I, oh, so he was trying to unhitch it, but it was only getting pulled tighter. Um, in the bell Duncan saw that Chris's umbilical cord was suddenly very taut Craig was trying to like be like hey give him more slack and Duncan's like I can't there's no more slack to give because they only had 50 meters ah so not only was it tight the cord was also pulling its rack off of the wall like the steel struts of the diving bell were bending the bolts were groaning And I would be freaking out. Something had to give. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, the cord snapped, <gasps> and Chris was completely separated from the diving bell. Oh my god! So unfortunately, like Duncan recognized, this was a tiny space, and that if if the cord actually did break, it was going to take him with it, mm-hmm. and he wasn't in any diving gear. Yeah. So uh, he yeah. had to get out of the way. Mm. Oh, God. So he managed to get out of the way as this thing snapped. So it didn't also knock him into the ocean. Yeah. I can't believe he's like in the belt and he can't. Yeah. Because there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing he can do. Yeah. He doesn't have He literally has to sit on. there and watch like, And David look. is in his full diving gear, like ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, let me back out. Let me back out. I can go help him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. The situation is not under control yet. It is not safe for him to leave the bell. The same thing could happen to yes. him if he tries to. It was yeah. honestly a miracle he got and... into the bell. Yeah. yeah. So with sat diving, because they're prepared for every situation, he did have an emergency air tank on his back. Good. 
So he did open the emergency air tank. And then there was a noise that apparently felt like a shotgun underwater. Like it was loud enough that it the sound waves reverberated in the water. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck. And everything snapped. Because like some of the cords had started to snap. His airline had snapped. Mm-hmm. And then the actual steel reinforced cable in the middle snapped. Okay. So he's he's got multiple cords and they've yeah. all they're all gone. They're he all is gone. literally on his own. And okay. yes. Fuck that. With how hard it snapped, it threw him backwards. That and right. he he's got had... no electricity in his Nope. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have the hot water yeah. pumping in anymore. Now I'm wondering, like, yeah, do you do you get do you freeze first or do you yeah. lose your oxygen first? Ugh. Was freaking out (laughs) and started reeling it in after the snap of like no fuck this Mm -hmm. trying to pull him in and unfortunately just got the end of the cord. I can totally see cinematic as hell like them just rolling in the cord to find it like snapped at the end and shouted to Craig I've lost my diver. Yeah. So Chris landed on the seabed. The ship could still track him because he had a beacon on his suit. Because there's a beacon on the suit, and then there's also a beacon on the dive bell. Thank God. Okay. So he was like, okay, I just I need to get up to the top of this structure so that they have a better chance of finding me. Mm-hmm. So only issue was he didn't have light anymore, and he got knocked off of it. So he picked a direction basically at random. Oh, God. And just kind of started taking some small steps to feel things out. And finally, his hand struck metal. Good. Good. And he just kind of held on to it for dear fucking life. I feel like depending on he was in the middle of it, he could have walked and never found it. It could have been the wrong fucking direction. It was a big risk. Yeah. Yeah. So he started climbing up the structure and was struggling because part of what was helping them is they were climbing up their umbilical cord. Yeah. Rather Mm -hmm. than trying to free climb in high pressure water yeah but he made it to the top good for him and he couldn't see the bell he couldn't really see anything i mean it was dark yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah. um and reckoned he had about five minutes of oxygen left less than i was hoping so the ship at this point had moved 225 meters away jesus wow damn and the crew were desperately trying to steer it back, but without the positioning system, it literally took two people manually coordinating the thrusters. Jesus like, Christ. Like, it was all hands on deck Legit. to get this functioning again. Yeah. Um, Chris's fear turned to grief. He'd, like, recently gotten engaged. They were mm-hmm. buying a house. Mm-hmm. And it was one of, it's one of those things that we talk about in, in near death and death situations of, like, what plays through people's heads? What right. what narrative are they telling themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and he could feel that he was struggling with just even the most mundane practicalities. Does his fiance know when the next payment for the building work is due? Oh. What's going to happen? Um, and then he said, I hope dying doesn't hurt and slipped into unconsciousness. Ooh. Oh, and, my heart. Yeah. So Craig, dive supervisor, had sent out their underwater vehicle to go down and look for Chris to get a beat on him while they got the boat under control so that when they got back, they could then send Dave out of the bell to go get him. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
They just need the boat to get close yeah. enough so the bell is close yep. enough. So, okay. So, the dive vehicle, since it's motorized, it could just go. This yeah. is like a Mar- like a Mars rover. Like, yeah. it's just an unmanned thing. That yeah. Underwater Mars rover. Drives. That's Sick. cool. Okay. Yeah. Science. And at this, <laughs> at this point, it had been 16 minutes since the umbilical had snapped. And the vehicle sent back pictures of Chris lying on the metal grill. Oh, oh, that's so spooky. Like, there he is. He's not looking good. Oh, damn. Um, So, like, that is his air cord. For the listener, we're seeing the pictures the rover took. <laughs> so, oh, okay. There's the, yeah. oh, the air cord. Yeah, and then now you can see it's just bundled. Yeah. Yeah, now he's just got a bunch of yeah. cords that come out the back of him. Yeah. And he looks completely unconscious, but also kind of floaty the way you would yeah. underwater when you're not controlling yeah. the limbs. Poor guy. So, Dave as we had said, had made it back to the bell. So Craig kept him and Duncan updated on the boat's progress and we're trying to just spin the truth a bit of being like, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. We've got mm-hmm. things under control. We're going to be there in a minute. Um, Dave, Dave assumed he was going to be recovering a body. Duncan was also concerned. Um, but they were trying to keep their hopes alive. Mm-hmm. The Topaz's engineers decided to try the IT trick of turning it off and turning it back on. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm sorry for laughing. I mean, first of all, though, like, one, that is the number one thing you do. Like, it's just funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they did. And it worked. Yeah! Oh, you know, I'm sure they were all scrambling, but it feels like... Well, and it feels... That feels like such a last resort thing, because I don't know what else that shuts off. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And then if that doesn't come back on, are they dead in the water? Yeah, maybe. Now with a diving ball, bell that they can't bring up. Right. Yeah. And they must have decided, like, okay, well, the situation's already as bad as it gets. Yeah. So, like, yeah, fuck let's it. Let's just do it. Yeah. So, amazingly, it worked. Ooh. So, it's been 25 minutes. Dave dropped out as soon as they were back over that spot and went and got Chris. Um, he could see water inside Chris's mask. Uh. Clipped onto him with a rescue lanyard and just hauled them both up. Like, nice dead weight in the water brought them both up into the diving bell um dave said it was like trying to carry a giant starfish <laughs> just like a thing floppy yeah. by the on time you. they got him into the bell another six minutes had passed so it's been 31 minutes at this point jesus duncan unclipped the helmet uh and he was blue chris was blue yeah you thought he had like five minutes yeah. of oxygen when he passed out yep and it's been 31. So Duncan was like, well, there's nothing else I can do, but I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. And he started CPR. Yeah. He gave Chris the first two rescue breaths and Chris inhaled. Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. Holy His shit. Eyes opened. He started blinking. Craig was watching via the monitor and started yelling through the intercom. They're talking to him. Like, are you okay? Are you all right? And Chris kind of gave him a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> That's always like the Holy the survivor shit. of a terrible thing. Yeah. Like, Just like thumbs uh, up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Chris was awake, Duncan started probing him with questions and started flushing his suit with hot water. Mm-hmm. He was probably so cold. Yeah. Like he was blue, blue. not just yeah. because of lack of oxygen. Yeah. But. And the questions went, do you know where you are? Yeah. Do you know you've had a broken umbil- umbilical cord? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit was unfortunate so, there, huh? Yeah, bitch. Chris <laughs> was groggy, but he seemed himself. Once they got them back up into the full sat chamber, he got medical attention. And David and Duncan, as they described it, they all had a bit of a hug. Aww. They're all very European English about A bit this. of a hug. Yep. You know. <laughs> and then once Chris was confirmed stable, they were able to visit him and there were a lot more hugs. Yeah. Aww. And then over the next three days, all three of them depressurized together. The ship docked. Like, they're like, nope, yeah, still, they're, <laughs> we're done. Just They're still in that fucking bell for three days after yep. all of that. You just, like, yep. you gotta Jesus look at the same Christ. guys a lot. Yep. <laughs> a lot. And they talked through it, mm. which, like, helped them deal with the shock of the situation. You should offer therapy to these guys. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they did. Um, Duncan apparently teased Chris about the CPR. Uh, saying snogging on a dive is not normally done, you know. <laughs> God, these are these dudes are men. so fucking they're British. Like, oh, men, yeah. TM, they're European. Yeah, men. yeah, TM, TM, yeah, TM, yeah, TM, yeah. TM. Chris, it's not gay though. No, <laughs> it's a bit gay, isn't it? It's not gay <laughs> in a three way. So Chris got through it somehow without any brain damage. They deduced that the oxygen in divers' gas is about four times richer than normal air, so his body likely was saturated enough. Okay. That it kept him going. Mm-hmm. And then the hypothermia could have put him in shutdown mode, which sent then oxygen to his vital organs to keep him alive. Right, like That's he's insane. unconscious and he's super cold. Yeah. Like, I think that does make sense. Yeah. Science it was is fucking crazy. The, the human perfect body, human body is crazy. Fucking, fucking set of circumstances. Yeah. It's almost what like if he had been, if anything like that had happened in any other scenario, yeah. not at the bottom of the ocean, you'd be dead. Like, you yep. can't just be without oxygen. Nope. But apparently you kind of can. You kind of <laughs> can. Um, the other diving bell story that I heard, they were under, like, they fully snapped off of the ship, like the whole diving bell oh, fell. And they were without oxygen, I think, for like a couple hours. Wow. But it was a bigger area. Right, I mean, that I, thing has an amount of oxygen yeah, in it. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, though. But, like, there is a limit. When you put oxygen under that much pressure, everything changes. Like, all the yes. rules are yeah. different. Like, everything down so, there is different. That is Chris with his fiance now That's wife. That's so cute. Uh, Morag. Very Scottish this name. Was, yeah, I was, was going to say, say very Scottish. Scottish. Uh, they're, so, they're taking a nice hiking picture in front of a lock. Yeah. <laughs> so, they... He called her, like, as soon as they were done depressurizing, as soon as the doctors gave him the all clear, like, yeah, you're, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Hey, sweetie, did almost she die. Don't freak out. freaked out. She yeah. freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> and literally raced across Scotland oh. to be there when he disembarked. Aww. To be honest, it was probably an hour and a half, but still. It's <laughs> still sweet. That's very sweet, though. They're yeah. adorable. And they tried to have, like, a bit of a distraction of, like, just doing something very normal together once they got through all of the crying and hugging. Yeah. And they, they apparently, they went to the cinema. Nice. But Morag didn't see a second of the film because she was crying the entire time. Aww. <laughs> She's probably just thinking the entire time, like, he could have died. Why are we at the cinema? Yep. <laughs> why, are we, why are we watching Captain America? Yeah. For real. Like. <laughs> yep. So, three weeks later... Chris was declared fit and did actually return to the North Sea with David no! and Duncan. No, Same to job? finish the job. Damn no, right. people because uh, people like this are fucking nuts. Dude. Yeah, and no. he said I didn't want to lose my nerve. I mean, yeah, because if you maybe if you hadn't that, gone in no. for a few months or something, yeah. then it's like you build it up in your head and yep. you never do it again. Yeah, 
Uh, Fuck that. Duncan <laughs> said, I'm proud of him. Many would have said, this is too dangerous. I'm not coming back. Yeah. Probably uh, many have said that. Yes. So the following April, Chris and Mariah got married uh. near their home. David wasn't able to make it, but Chris said at the reception, people were buying Duncan whiskeys all night. <laughs> nice. And then they were telling me, I don't even want to speak to you. I just want to hug you. <laughs> they knew it was the wedding that, uh, quote, almost never was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody appreciates their wedding day, right? But mm-hmm. like when you almost didn't get there because you almost died yeah. straight up. So they finished their house that they were building. But then life plans accelerated. They finished the house and then immediately like turned around and were like, yeah, we're selling it. We're moving to France. Fuck this. Oh. We're, just, we're going. All we're right. living our best lives. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, no time to waste. Chris said, I've had a glimpse of dying and I'm not scared. I know I'm lucky to have a second chance. I always had a lust for life and the accident only made that stronger. Hell yeah. So there is a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It might be. Uh, it was released in 2019. It's called Last Breath. Ooh. And my final parting gift message statement <laughs> for those who have been certified in the past and may need a refresher, mm-hmm. don't forget to do your checks and then follow the ABCs, airway, breathing, chest compressions, 30 chest compressions, two rescue breaths, 30 chest compressions, two rescue breaths. Mm-hmm. CPR is important. It should be to about 100 and 120 per minute. Which is the same as music of like beats per minute, which mm-hmm. is why they say staying alive because it falls into that 100 and 120 BPM. Right. So, like, look on Spotify, find a good CPR list, save it ahead of time so that you, you have music, and then don't be afraid with how hard you have to push. Oh, yeah, because yeah. if you're doing it right, you will bust a rib. Oh, right? yeah. It's and gotta go okay. like two inches down. Yeah. Shoulder positions over the body is also important. So, like, watch a video on YouTube. Find something from the Red Cross. Yeah, if if you have, like, a job where they will let you get CPR and certified, do it. Do it. Just to have the info. Do it. Just to to know. Fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Thanks, Adam. That was The power of CPR. I'm never going to go into the fucking ocean. Okay. What about, like, a cruise or something? No. Okay, not even then. Okay. Fuck that. <laughs> Listen, the ocean is, is terrifying. It's, <laughs> sometimes, it's sometimes cool. I've looked over the I edge. Go, I have no problems being in the water. I want to see shore at all times, bro. <laughs> I would never, I don't think I could ever, not that they would let me because I don't have the fucking training, but I don't want to deep sea dive for any fucking reason. I would rather eat my own ass than deep sea dive. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, well... We've got some shuffling to do. Yeah. Do. The hot seat needs a new person in it. I did fart a whole bunch in it. Good. Good. It'll be warm for yes. me. <laughs> I'm farting right now. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily, where's your heart noise? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And I switched places. <laughs> This is kind Taylor's of fun. In the hot seat. Taylor's in the hot seat. I'm in the hot seat. It feels, it feels fun. It's like a game now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I'm up. You guys ready? No. Usually we've got something we can figure out that is like the same. I'm going to say I'm telling um, an opposite story. Ooh. Ooh. We had a lot of water in that one. We did. 
no the, water in this one. No, um, not really. Uh, unfortunately, small amount of water. What's the opposite of water, y'all? Fire. Desert. Fire. <laughs> if we're thinking of the elements, ev- everything. Sorry, I didn't know we were going like Avatar. Yeah, we're going Avatar. Going, like, location. Everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. All right. So, I, Emily, I will be beginning with a quote. Holy Whoa, shit. there's two quotes. I can't I fucking do this. <laughs> I know. I know. It's tough. It's tough. Hot damn. All right. The quote is, my husband texts me and says there's a big fire. And I say, huh, I didn't see anything. Where's it coming from? And he says, out of Concow. And I said, well, hopefully it doesn't cross the canyon because then I'll have to evacuate the hospital. Mm-mm. And then we saw the orange glow coming through the patient's rooms. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Is not this is the opposite story. Everything yeah. is fine. This is not <laughs> what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Like, I thought it was, like, a house fire, mm, no, not, like, a wildfire. Yeah, we are that... talking a the wildest fire. Oh. Let's do it. Are we in Australia? We're not, actually. Ooh. I that are I we did... in California? We are in Northern California. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've got two. There are two places where fires happen a lot <laughs> and real bad, and it's those two. I did consider doing Black Summer, as they call it, in Australia, and we can still do that at some point. But this I found... Um, Uh, Kind of on accident, and it's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go here. It's Thursday, November 8th, 2018. Oh, shit. It's real Not that long ago. Yeah. Five years ago. Mm. A little bit less. Butte County, Northern California. Ah, good old Butte. Mm. What a beauty. What a beauty. This entire area has been issued a red flag warning by the National Weather Service, which is meant to signal to communities that weather conditions are really good for wildfires communities are expected to cease any activity that could result in a fire mm. no matter how small it is you of course you may not have a campfire no you may not have a, a fire pit outside don't your even house light a candle don't even fucking light a candle outside i swear to god <laughs> smoky bear will rise up from the ashes and eat the shit out of you kill, kill you. you and your children yep <laughs> this so this is, generally speaking, it's pretty late in the year to be receiving one of these warnings. Like, it's November. Ooh. Yeah. So it's up here. Basically, it's winter. Yeah. yeah. Um, the town of Paradise, California. Oh. By this time. Oh. By this time. It's the Paradise Fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you know it? Oh, yeah. This in is the, bad. Usually, the town of Paradise, California has received, by this point, five inches of rain in the year which is not very much that's that's not that much rain we live where there's like swamps yeah there's a lot we get a lot of rain some parts of the country get like 40 inches of rain a year this gets five inches of rain on a on a normal year it's not much but it is what they count on this year in 2018 the area had received just one seventh of an inch of rain the whole time jesus it had been basically eight months since it had rained at all wow Humidity is at 10%. It's really bad. Oh, also, it's windy. <laughs> That's course. really, really bad. Those are the worst conditions. Those are prime fire conditions. It's a tinderbox, dude. Yeah. It is. The whole place is ready to go. At approximately 6.15 a.m., a PG&E high-voltage electricity tower outside of Polga, California, fails. Now, if anybody who's like a local listener, PG&E is one of the biggest power companies in the nation. They just don't operate up here. 
we have Excel yeah. and they're pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> now think, it's now a think different. Of, it's a different monopoly. Yeah. Think of PG&E as being much bigger and much more pieces of shit. Yeah. They've been operating for over 100 years and they suck big dicks. <laughs> so. <laughs> and also they suck big dicks. <laughs> I mean, they really fucking do. Yeah. So this, this huge power line, this tower that holds a bunch of power lines, fails. An insulator comes off the tower and hot molten metal drips down under the dry grass below it, which starts a brush fire. Yeah. Everyone is on high alert for fires at this time, so, like, someone notices it basically right away, fortunately. Yeah. It's a PG&E um, crew, a field crew, that sees it first. And then they notify someone at the Rock Creek Powerhouse, who, which is right nearby, and then they report it to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, also known as CAL FIRE. This is very fast. So CAL FIRE is aware of this happening by 6.33 a.m. So it's been about 15 minutes. Nice. Pretty good. Nice. That's a, pretty that's good. Solid. Yeah. CAL FIRE is a, seems like a really good department. Like, they know what to do. They Obviously. should. Like, honestly, I hope so. Yeah. In yeah. California. It's fucking yeah, nuts. They out have there. specific crews just for wildfires. It's own, yeah. like Cal Fire itself has its own department. The millions fact that of dollars it needs its own department. Yeah. Is because, like, yeah. Fires is like the thing they face. And it's over such there. different get, training. Yeah. So by 6 44 a.m., so it's been a half an hour since it lit, the fire has grown to 10 acres. So it was one little tiny guy, Jesus and now it's Christ. 10 acres wide. Yep. Um, Cal Fire. There's was a reason receiving the saying is it spreads like wildfire. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> nothing spreads like wildfire yeah. except it. <laughs> <laughs> so Cal Fire is receiving report after report after report from other area workers, people in the town, like surrounding anybody who sees this fire is like, we're calling the Cal Fire hotline yeah. now. Yeah, because everybody knows what to do. They send they're sending pictures and video. Cal Fire dispatches Captain uh, Matt McKenzie, who was the first on the scene. He told Cal Fire that he observed a fast-moving, rapidly growing fire exhibiting extreme behavior. This is considered to be, like, this is very early on in a fire's lifespan. Because you know those wildfires can burn for weeks. Yeah. This is the very beginning of it. But Mackenzie is, like, he has an uh-oh feeling, basically. Uh. He's, he radios for immediate support, noting that this has got the potential to be a major incident. Now, this is all, like we said, extremely by the book. They know what they're doing. Everyone's doing their best. And not only, like, is it Cal Fire, but everybody in that area, that every town and county is required to have a, like, submitted to the state official evacuation plan for every municipality. That's great. Yes. Depending on, it takes into account their traffic, their their roads, like, how many people live in, in each area. Mm -hmm. And some of them will have it, like, zone by zone. Here's who gets evacuated first, depending on what the direction the, the fire is coming from. So, yeah. like... It's very serious. I don't think we have anything out here like that. We don't. Not for like, anything. We don't need don't. to, but we don't. We need don't. To. Yeah, if you think about like how and why they made that plan, because of how many people died in their cars because of mm -hmm. wildfires. Oh, mm -hmm. gee oh, Jesus, that's trying right. To leave, yeah. Trying to escape. Yep. Oh. But like, it's been hundreds of years to like, wildfires have been killing people since people lived out there. Yeah. yeah. They've just gotten worse in recent years, yeah. obviously. Well, and you build more <laughs> houses. And you stack people on top of each other. Wildfires break my goddamn heart. They're awful. For and all the, of the global, animals. Global warning, and, warming has yeah. made this so much worse. The yeah. fact that they didn't receive any rain, that's global warming. Yep. <laughs> the fact that it was that low humidity and the high temperatures even in November, like that's all yeah. global warming. Mm. 
So it's pretty tough. So anyway, but they're sophisticated. They're doing their best. Everybody so far is doing everything they can. Things stop being by the book pretty quick with this fire, though. It was dubbed um, the Camp Fire because it was found, like, on Camp Road. And mm-hmm. it's also just kind of a funny uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got it. It's, the, it's a campfire, but it's actually the biggest fucking yeah. fire in California history. So don't worry about it. So our survivor, her name is Nicole Jolly. Adorable. Hey, up, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. She is a registered nurse. And on November 8th, 2018... She is working an early shift at Feather River Hospital in Paradise, California. She is um, the one with the quote from earlier Mm -hmm. where her husband called her. Her husband notified her of the fire. And at the time, he said it was outside of the town of Concow, which is all the way across a very steep canyon between the two towns. It's like not close. No one would look at a fire from Concow normally and say, oh, shit, we got to go. Yeah. So what neither Nicole nor her husband knew at the time was that the fire was faster than anybody knew. Even the 911 and Cal Fire dispatchers that were receiving calls about it didn't know how fast it was moving. Mm -hmm. The winds that day were abnormally high and like they were high on the ground. But if you went above surface level to where like a helicopter would fly, they were at 100 miles an hour. Wow. So there's no helicopters yeah. that day. Like oh. Emily said, yep. helicopters don't want to be up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if, and if, and if they're, um, the winds are 100 miles an hour, like they're not Fuck staying that. yeah. up. <laughs> that's, a, that's a point in the helicopter's favor for getting back to the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually in a bad way, fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they had no way to go up above the fire and gauge the direction it was moving or how fast. Which is a problem. That's usually what they do. Dispatchers ended up telling many, many, many people from the town of Paradise that the fire was still across the canyon, north of Highway 71, near Concow. It had not jumped the canyon, there was no evacuation order, and that they were safe. For a really long time. What a lie. They didn't know. They, um, I watched a frontline documentary about this fire, and mm. they talked to a Cal Fire, no, a 911 dispatcher from the area who got so many calls that she called Cal Fire twice to confirm like, where the real? fire was. Yeah, she was like, like, look, there are people in paradise saying that ashes are falling. I need you yeah. to confirm with me that this fire is still across the canyon. And yeah. Cal Fire said, as far as we know, it's still across the canyon. So she kept telling people, "No more. You're fine." Ah, yeah, that hurts me. She feels like shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that is like she. A lot of people that probably poor woman, died. Yeah, that poor woman. Like honestly, like they were. Everyone was just doing what they could with the information they had, but the information they had was it was shit. not enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's tragic. It is. It really no, is. The response time, whatever, fine. But just eyewitnesses and getting calls stating, hey, they're seeing ashes in paradise. And nobody responding to that. And nobody responding to that. That's the real problem. I hope whoever dropped the ball on that has one specific boil on their ass (laughs) (laughs) at all times. And it's just slightly uncomfortable to sit. They cannot get rid of it. Yeah, no matter can't ass, get rid of it, lance, oil. and it yeah. comes back. Ass, <laughs> oil. I agree. Ass, boil. Because boil for this one Holy person. fucking, what really sounds bad. like white male confidence. <laughs> it's so bad. So the campfire again, not an ordinary fire. By this time, according to the Frontline documentary, it was spreading at a rate of 80 football fields a minute. 
Jesus. That's a I lot. Did, I did then put in parentheses, Americans really will use anything but the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is a football but, field? How many kilometers is a football field? I mean, why did it? You were asking very the two Americans how many kilometers <laughs> yeah. a football is field is when we were like, we're, you, we'll use anything except <laughs> it's actual not measurements. Even a, it's not even a full kilometer, but it is many, many lot. meters wide. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like hundreds of it's meters. It's bigger than a hockey. Right. And then imagine 80 of those every single minute. I don't want to because that sucks. Yeah, it's, it does <laughs> well, suck. It's it's balls. So by 7.45 in the morning, so it had been roughly an hour and a half since it had started. By 7.45, the fire had crossed the canyon. Cal Fire released an evacuation notice for residents. This is the bad. This is, you're, you're not even mad enough yet. Emily, you can get mad? Uh, Cal Fire released an evacuation notice for residents on the east side of Paradise. Why not, not all? Not the entire town. That this, means... by the way, is a town of 40,000 people. Yeah. That oh. is just under what, Why not where all? we live. Why not all? I could not imagine. This is not a big Literally, they, they played they played a um, dispatcher saying talking to someone and being like, what street are you on? Okay, then there is no evacuation notice for you. As if you were one, if you were one street fucking yeah. over, you didn't need to go. Everybody get out. Mm-hmm. Everybody get out. Well, yeah. and I'd, I'd be really interested to see the evacuation plan to see how fast they have it built for people to get out because this is like a matter of minutes they talked about that in the front line i recommend watching it because it's only like 50 minutes long yeah if you want to give me a link at some point but for yeah absolutely for the town of paradise like their their road system there's not a ton of roads and they're all pretty narrow and they're not built to handle heavy traffic it's a sleepy-ish town yeah. It's even sleepier than ours. Our, we have about 55,000 yeah. people. Yeah, it's a money town. Yeah. So I know like there's people, a lot of like, celebrities and wealthy people. A lot of places oh, in Northern nice California are houses. for rich people. <laughs> oh, oh, I just have a little place off in Paradise. Yeah. That's what Nair- nice houses very far away from each other yep. type of thing. Okay. So a lot of them are more like county roads, and they're just not built for heavy traffic. So the town of Paradise had a very specific zoned evacuation plan. That when they knew a fire was heading their direction, they would evacuate zone by zone so the roads did not get, like, overcome with people who would then get stuck. And die. Mm-hmm. By this point, there is no time for yeah. any of that. Yeah. You gotta they, go. They you gotta have just fucked go. up. So, <laughs> just to show fire... how bad of an idea this was, yeah. Yeah. evacuating only one half of the town, yeah. by 18 minutes after they made that initial call to evacuate half of the town, just 18 minutes later, they were like, actually... The whole town's got to go. Everybody's got to go. They played one order. They played the call where Cal Fire calls back to dispatchers and is like, we are now issuing an evacuation for all of the town of Paradise. And the dispatcher goes, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, she had just been telling people, no, you don't need to leave. You're good. Like, two seconds ago. And now she has to tell everyone to get the fuck out. That poor operator. So by 8.30, the town of Paradise completely engulfed in fire. Like, it's just on fire. The town, all around it and inside of it. Uh, later, this was described as a fire storm, which mm. is what happens when the heat from a fire creates its own updraft that intensifies the flames. It's like a big swirling. It's a thing fire of tornado. Wind. It's almost a fire tornado. Like it's not a literal one you'd be able to see, but it's one that it's like basically a fire tornado. The fire inside becomes so intense, yeah, because its own winds are supporting it. 
It's its own little ecosystem. It just feeds yeah. itself then, right? Yep. The, it yep. creates, the fire it's creates a vacuum of air. so much oxygen. And the yeah. air gets pulled in, sucked in from every other area. I hate, it's very scary. I hate nature. Is, it sucks. I hate nature. Hey, nature's so scary, bro. Um, <laughs> so the sky is black with yeah. smoke, of course. I mean, again, it's 8.30 in the morning, but it looks like it's nighttime. Yeah. People related to working the night shift. There's ash and cinders, like not ash that's like blown out it's like no. cinders that are on fucking fire falling all over yeah. people no matter where you on look your roof mm -hmm. on yourself on yourself Silent Hill Buck Hot. no matter no matter where you looked you could see fire yep. somewhere in the distance patches of it up close it was jumping roads it was lighting huge massive trees on fire the nurse nicole jolly remember she's in the hospital queen all of her fellow fellow medical personnel they really did have to evacuate that hospital, which sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. This is a quote from somebody else. There were people having to carry an IV bag out with them. They were holding their own IV bag. Yeah. And, when, and then there were people who had just come out of surgery and they needed to be loaded up. Um, another quote, doctors pulled up in their SUVs and were putting patients in them. Nurses were driving their own private vehicles, pulling their car seats out of their cars, leaving them on the ground and putting patients in them. Wow. Yeah. This was All not on deck. This was not the normal evacuation we had planned for. On body cam footage, there's an officer Pickering who is there. You hear somebody say, "We're going to lose the fucking hospital." And then you hear someone else ask him, "Are we safe to stand here?" And he answers, "I don't know if it's safe anywhere." So after brutal honesty, <laughs> yeah, for real, like, he sounds that. nervous. He yeah. sounds scared. Yeah, he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> so. After helping a patient evacuate the <laughs> hospital, Nicole Jolly, again, she's a nurse, she gets her in her own vehicle and tries to find a way out of the mess. God. She and many others are just stuck in the parking lot of the hospital for a while because there's so many cars trying to leave. Um, and then when they finally leave that, they're on an absolutely gridlocked road. Yeah. At this point, so many people are evacuating. Yeah. And they didn't even realize that not only were they surrounded by fire, that the fire had reached them. Quote, I didn't know that the fire had jumped into paradise. This is Nicole. Nobody said anything to us. Nobody said all of paradise is on fire. Yep. So it took less than but an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But it Absolutely, was. Yeah. But it was. Absolutely. 100% And like in a way was. you can see, but also like when you look around and all you see is orange glow everywhere, you can't tell how close it is. Yeah. You just know like, oh, it's very, very close. Sure is fire. As opposed to, <laughs> oh, it's right fucking here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took less than an hour for the fire to sweep over the entire town. Mm -hmm. Cars everywhere. Some of the cars are on fire now. Yeah. And they're oh, stuck in the road. Nightmare apocalypse. Like literally an apocalypse move. scenario. Yeah. Literally, literally this is the apocalypse. Yeah, for sure. This feels awful, I'm sure. Like like mm -hmm. zombies, but faster and worse. Nicole Jolly is stuck in one of these roads. She's yeah. driving south. Oh my um, God. It's going slow, but she's still moving for a while. She's following behind her friend and coworker, Karen Davis. Uh oh. They left together in their own separate vehicles. Hey, did Karen. Karen. They turned onto a Aww. side street <laughs> and they found the road full of burning abandoned cars. Oh, shit. She took a video, well. uh, Nicole did, of her car stuck, unmoving. The ground around her looks like it's covered in lava. Like the grass is on fire. Oh, my God. It's crazy. She's she's looking up at this huge tree. Um, it's it, There are no branches on the tree anymore. It's just one big Spike. trunk on fire stalagmite she's saying out loud that could fall on me at any second 
and I can't do anything because these motherfuckers won't move. <laughs> She's so upset at the traffic, but she doesn't even realize how many of those cars have been abandoned. Yeah. And are already But on where fire. do you run? Her car is filling up with smoke. Where do you run? She calls See, her that's husband. that's when you turn on the... The um <laughs> the interior circulation where you're yeah. not pulling in outside air. I'm sure that um uh, you can do that to a certain extent. Yeah, but it still seeps that... in through your like doors no. and shit. <laughs> no. She calls her husband. She tells Cars him she's airtight. They they could be like <laughs> in Elon Musk's Emily. future. Elon. <laughs> Cars are airtight. Get, get off your fucking stop Twitter, doing Twitter teenage shit. in space. So Nicole calls her husband. She tells him she doesn't know what she'll do. Yeah. yeah. She's certain at this point that she's going to die. Yeah. What a fucking tells, horrifying way to go. She has two children. She tells him to give her kids a hug. And he says, don't die. Run. Yeah. <laughs> so that Nicole. Good advice. She's like, I don't know how to do that. I can't run through fire. And he says, you're going to have to. So Nicole leaves her car and she runs down the road. She stops at Karen Davis's car. Again, that's her friend. And. The car, but she can see the smoke through the window in her car. The plastic handles and side mirrors on the side of her car are melting. <gasps> she bangs on the window and receives no reply. She's fucking she assumes dead. that her friend is dead. She's, She's fucking out. dead. So Nicole moves one f- car further down in the line and finds another woman in that car. It's very hot, by the way. Yeah. It's not safe to be outside hot. She's yeah. like burning. Her yeah. parts of her are on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So she com- she gets into that car. This woman lets her in. They hold hands with each other. She does not know this woman's name. No. She never says her name because she never learned it. Nope. They sit there and they pray together. Names she realized, don't matter. Yeah. She realized later that her, the ass of her pants was on fire and it melted this woman's leather <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. I feel bad for laughing the way, because that's horrifying. But also, the way she says it, she sounds like she feels bad. <laughs> She's like, and I melted I her seats. I don't think the lady cares. No. They sit there and they hold hands and they just sort of look at each other and they pray. And Nicole doesn't know if at that point, like she's any either of them are going to get out of there but she waits until the car has also started to fill up with smoke similarly to her own and then she remembers that her husband said run get out just run so she looks at the woman and she says i gotta go good luck and then she leaves she she gets out of that car and she takes off down the road quote i am breathing the hottest air i've ever been in I'm about to hit the ground, but the bottom of my shoes are melting, which yeah. I think is probably the right, like you want to fall over, but you know, as soon as you do, it's going to hurt. Everything uh, is going to start melting. Yeah. yeah. So I put my hand out in front of me and I prayed to God, please don't let me die like this. And Nicole's hand comes to rest on the back of a fire truck. <gasps> oh, this story is really cool for that one moment. I love that. Oh. She bangs on the truck. Of course. And she shouts to be let in. She's like screaming. As soon as the firefighters inside see her, they leap out and they haul her into the back of the truck. They put out the embers on her with a blanket, and then they all sit there. And Nicole is confused at first. Like, why isn't the rescue vehicle rescuing, moving and rescuing? They explain that they are also trapped. Uh, the fire has burned out cars all around. Turns out, Nicole says, fire engines actually aren't built to go through fire. She was <laughs> like, come on, what are we doing? And they're like, no, yeah, no, no, no. We can't do that. It's fire a car. Truck, fire trucks stand outside fire. Yeah. Bring water to fire. Yeah. <laughs> fire trucks still truck. <laughs> Cannibal Burris has that, like, <laughs> you put water on the fire until there's no more fire. That's what a fire truck does. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it does not drive through fire. That's it not what it's for. should. 
so she's with first responders. She's with maybe the best people she could be with. Yeah. But they're still fucking They put bones. the fire out on her. Yeah, they're still yeah. bowed. They're all just waiting. Mm-hmm. They're all just waiting. The firefighters are calling for air support, and they're being told that is impossible. Yeah. It's not just the wind. It's the smoke. Like, yeah. when you see videos of this fire, the smoke it's is crazy. Insane. It looks nuts. It looks like a big storm coming in. Ooh. Nicole is beside herself, thinking that her friend Karen Davis is dead, and mm. that she's going to die now, too. And then, <gasps> enter a man named Joe Kennedy. Hi, Joe. What's up, Joe? Joe Kennedy is a firefighter. <gasps> he had been left at the station because they kind of always do that. They leave somebody at the station. He received the distress call asking for air support from his colleagues. His friends, these are people he yeah. knows, it, they sound urgent. They sound worried. Yeah. They are being told they can't receive support. And Joe decides he's going to go get a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Holy fuck, Joe. So Joe finds out his colleague's location. He says he answers them inappropriately on the call because oh. you're supposed to refer to each other in certain ways. And he says, John, where are you? Like, you're not supposed to call each other by their you're your supposed first to be like, name. You and it, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Please report in. Over. Exactly. But yeah. by this point, he's like, fuck it. Where's my guys? <laughs> yeah. Where <laughs> so, are my boys? Yeah. Where are my boys at? <laughs> so he where finds out his colleague's location. Joe Kennedy drives the bulldozer through the fire. He pushes burned out cars and debris off the road as he goes. Fuck yeah. He moves enough vehicles that the fire engine is able to turn around. Yep. They head back to the hospital, which has not entirely burned down and has a triage unit. People stayed behind and opened a triage tent outside the hospital. Wow. So they bring the So they survived that shit. Yeah. And was like, okay, we got to help. And here's the thing. Joe kept doing that in the bulldozer for 24 more hours. Holy of just moving shit. around. There's a quote from Nicole. He kept saving people on that road. No AC, no fire blankets, just glass windows in the middle of an inferno. Jesus Christ. They show Joe. that guy for a second. Hero. Like yeah, 100%. That dude, I don't know how your body doesn't give out after a while. He, he was also like, they don't train you how to do that. You're not no. supposed to move burned out vehicles. You're yeah. supposed to avoid them. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just kind of hoping it would all how be okay. He, like, how did he even know how to pick, like, bulldoze? He was like, well, I'll fucking figure for it real, out. For real, he's just got that license, I guess, because he drives a fire truck. Who knows? Good for, no, good for him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fire trucks have the different lift mechanisms and have the different knobs. They so. might have even had that bulldozer just at the fire station. Yeah. For yeah. emergencies such as this. We I don't mean, know what it's like out west. Because, you know, like with <laughs> wildfires, yeah. I'm sure they have to clear debris that's and shit. Probably just a part of yeah. their training. Yeah. It would to- totally make sense if that's the case. Nicole was taken, ironically, like I said, back to the hospital where she started <laughs> to be treated. Some of the remaining workers had set up a triage tent, and thankfully, that is where Nicole found Karen Davis. Her oh! Daughter. Yeah. That's why she didn't answer. She, yeah, she wasn't in her car anymore. Whew, Somehow Nicole had missed her, like, get like leaving her own car, Smoke. and she got picked up by a social worker friend who also worked at the hospital, and they went back to the oh. hospital. So there, Nicole and Karen and all of her coworkers are reunited. They continue then to work at the triage tent, helping people who arrive there until eventually the fire moves on. It's still blazing, but it moves its way out of paradise, having burned through everything. Yeah, there's there. nothing. There's oh, literally shit. nothing left. Yeah. Eventually, Nicole's mother picks her up, brings her back to her place in another town where Nicole's husband and two children are waiting. Thank God. She talks about seeing her husband outside the house and getting out of the car to run to him because her mom wasn't driving fast enough. No. Her mom was like, it's a residential area, Nicole. Oh. <laughs> I 
And so she gets Fuck out of the car. You. She's like, I literally ran faster than she was driving. <laughs> <laughs> and so she hugs her husband. And he said, I thought I'd lost you. And she said, I know. So by this he point. almost had. Yeah. She really did 100%. almost die like four times. Yeah. So by this point, the fire had burned 20,000 acres. 20,000 acres. Jesus Christ. It was large enough to be seen from space. The fire continued to rage in Paradise, but it was less than four hours before uh, Cal Fire conceded that Paradise was a total loss. Could the entire town burn to the ground? There was nothing left. This is just my aftermath. Some numbers and things. Mm. The fire did not stop there, of course. It was nearly impossible to stop now. You can hit it with, like, hoses, but, like, what are you going to do? Oh, no. They dumped that, like, powder on it with planes. But, again, it's impossible to get things in the air for many days when this thing starts. It burned for nearly a week in every single direction. Despite all efforts, it wasn't possible to stop the spread entirely. And it wasn't until the first real rain of the season on November 25th. Oh, my God. Holy shit. It wasn't until the 25th that the fire was considered 100% contained. By that time, it had burned 154,000 acres of land. Jesus. Which, if you do not have any, like, way of noting how big that is, it's the size of Chicago. Wow. That's, like, that's how much, first of all, that's how much land is out west. Oh, yeah. Covered in trees. And, like, it burns like that every year. (laughs) It's crazy. All from one fire. The last um, last report about Nicole that I saw was a couple weeks after the fire, um, where they said that she had um, stay she was staying with friends in Chico, California. Mm-hmm. She yeah. and her family. Um, I do. I honestly like. I didn't hear anything about her after that. She went on a few different like um, like Fox News and all of that to actually do interviews about her experience because it was a pretty crazy one. Um, but I didn't hear anything after that. I just kind of hope that she and a lot of people got to rebuild. All told, the campfire of 2018 caused $16.65 billion in damage. Jesus Christ. It was the most destructive wildfire in American yeah. history. The remains of 85 people were found mm. during the cleanup, making it the deadliest American fire since 1918. Which, yeah. in 1918, we didn't have warning. So, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. In the same month as the fire, the power company whose tower was responsible for causing the fire, PG&E, filed for bankruptcy. Uh, (laughs) Fuck them. Saying that they expected to owe $10.5 million in damages alone. Or sorry, billion. Billion. $10.5 billion in damages, $30 billion in liabilities. Yeah, bitch. Alone. Yeah. A year later. On December, in, in December of 2019, the company settled with the survivors of not just this fire, but a bunch of other fires they fucking started with oh their shitty, they just let their towers rot for a hundred years yeah. and decided to never fix them until they failed. Oh and so all God. their towers start these fires all over California and the West. The so, place known for wildfires. Uh-huh. So um, their neg- gross negligence, um, like instead of getting indicted for those things uh they decided that they were going to settle and um Fuck there were 70 indictment. there were seventy thousand victims total and they received 13.9 billion dollars so that's a total of about one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars each person not, not enough. enough that's not enough to build a house in california for nope. fucking sure yeah um but it's something there was also something about stock in PG&E. I think maybe you had a choice of what you wanted to take. Oh, my God. I'd take yeah, the money and invest me, it elsewhere. Yeah, Thanks. let me yeah. take that money in the stock of You mean the company, company that filed for bankruptcy? Filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. That's Fuck that stupid. shit. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Either way, 
As of January 2023, many claimants had yet to receive their first of three settlement payments. <gasps> not a surprise. So, so they're just they're not even doing them around. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, because then pandemic. Yeah, Panini is probably really fucked that up. But also, like, there's a million legal things you have to do in order to receive the settlement, and some people, you know, haven't done it or didn't accept the amount they received or said they were going to receive. They wanted more, and so mm. they aren't going to receive anything now. And like, it's a it's a lot of bullshit. Good God. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. We'll pay you a bunch of money to keep. Uh... Yeah, everybody, shut up. Please don't. Please don't indict us. Oh, also in 2020, they did, however, um, some money with a bunch of strings. They pled guilty to like 54 counts of uh, involuntary manslaughter. Good. Like that, they were still criminally charged for how Good. gross. And they should have been. It's yeah. still a Literally so unfortunately that is the infuriating story of the campfire of 2018 shout out to bulldozer bro bro yeah joe kennedy that motherfucker can do it i i rank i bet he could probably do the deep sea diving and keep us cool 100 probably firefighters are actually all firefighters should be the people in charge no cops no cops no cops (laughs) (laughs) that's actually name of this podcast and also my new campaign slogan (laughs) no cops just, just firefighters. firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's it. Sucks, <laughs> but that's it. Oof. I know, and there's a million stories like that. We it's we have fire. Well, we have fires every year. I've learned two important things <laughs> since being on this podcast. Uh-huh. I hate the ocean, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but I hate the opposite of the ocean as well. <laughs> absolutely, I'm not going to no. They I'm not going to go suck. anywhere near a forest in California. The human body can really only tolerate a very narrow range of temperatures. So why locations. is everyone in California? <laughs> because it's beautiful. It's so fucking pretty out there, man. And it and never rains, which is bad, but also good. The thing, the thing to take away from this, honestly, know, know the area that you live in. If you are going to experience wildfires, have an evacuation plan. Don't mm-hmm. wait for them to tell you to evacuate. For real, really don't, because those systems can like just fail on you. Yep. But like, if you see orange glow in the distance the and out. ash is falling, just leave. And just leave, guys. Have plans. Check your smoke detectors. We all choose to live in places that are trying to kill us at yeah. some point in the. The year. Earth in general, very hostile. Yeah, much and like honestly, helicopters. We deserve the Earth is trying, trying to, to actively us. kill yeah. you. <laughs> yes, I do agree. We do deserve it. We do deserve um, it. We are a parasite. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. and that's that's all for the uh oh feeling. Yeah, maybe the Earth. <laughs> May the Earth, May the Earth slowly reclaim. Her cleanse us from cleanse its us. skin and reclaim yeah. it. Much <laughs> like <natural> an antibiotic, <laughs> may we too be eradicated. <laughs> incredible, incredible, incredible. From the body. Um, we do suck. You guys, Thanks for like, listening. I know that like we don't do this very often, but because this one was kind of heavy and sad, does anybody want to say like something they've been enjoying recently? Watching, reading, playing, doing? Just something nice yeah. <laughs> to leave the listener with? I've been going through this sick-ass podcast... <laughs> called is paul dano okay <laughs> are you for real yeah and it's it's a great podcast because they go through his filmography and there's certain segments of like was paul dano okay in this movie <laughs> and also how much did he get the shit kicked out of him that's great so there's your silly nonsensical is paul dano thing. okay it's yeah it's, I like it's paul dano okay i like that yeah emily anything in particular no well <laughs> <laughs> your hair uh, looks great Thanks. <laughs> I am I am not the person to look to to spark joy right now. Um, okay, find something. 
that sparks your joy, even if it's just the hot guy on Shadow and Bone. Uh, <laughs> what about a ben, yeah, ben Barnes doesn't do it for you? The Come eventual on. release of Death that will slowly claim me. Hey, that's fine. Yeah. You know what? If that's what you got, then that's cool. what you got. Yeah. Totally um, what you got. Uh, last night I just finished the third in the um, Locked Tomb series. Mm. Uh, it's gay. It's funny. It's very weird. It's super gross, and I love it. Uh, nice. Everybody, everybody should read it. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I think you should be a lot like many of our survivors. I think all of them were quite heroic today. And uh, while you're having a good next month, we will see you in a month. That's what we're doing. Um, You know, just in the meantime, I hope that you never, ever, 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 ever forget your can of... It's hard because it's like... It should, <laughs> it should be water. It should be water, but then the water was bad. But then the, the water was one. also bad. Yeah. But it can't be gasoline. It can't, because that's, that's bad. bad. That's also bad. <laughs> so bad for the second one, yeah. Um, beans? Do you want to go? Yeah, with... I think beans, just because you should always be prepared. <laughs> beans are neutral, also. Beans are neutral. <laughs> beans are a net neutral uh, <laughs> It's almost always good to have beans. Wildfire, under the deep yeah. sea, no matter Listen, where. Just have some beans in your car. Yeah, keep some beans, beans in your car, nerd. Keep but like the pop top, not the one that you need an actual like can yeah, opener no, no, for. No. Always the pop top. <laughs> Don't fuck yourself on this. <laughs>